Hello freaks and geeks and welcome to the first in an audio podcast series chronicling the changes of the video game industry. I'm Chris Thompson and over the coming weeks I'll be talking about various topics like the high risk high profit factor, what makes a game retro, the pre-owned market and what makes a successful game these days. Today we're going to talk about the rise of independent gaming. Independent gaming or indie gaming as they are sometimes called are those that are usually developed by a handful of people or a small company. They might not have the production factor that games from bigger studios have and they certainly don't have the revenue for huge advertising. Firstly, we're going to have a little background history from the 80s and some of the vital points that contributed to people wanting to make their own video games. In 1978, a little game called Space Invaders burst into arcades around the world and Guinness currently ranks it as the most successful arcade game ever, making profits of over $500 million for Taito. Influenced by Star Wars and War of the Worlds was created by Tamahiro Nishikado. Its plot was simple, fend off an alien invasion shooting all the alien spaceships on the screen, while moving from side to side avoiding getting blown up. The simple plot and gameplay made this game a must have outside the arcades as it made its way to consoles such as the Atari 2600. Coupled with the success of Pong on the console in 1980, Atari had shifted 10 million units and the company decided they would port another arcade game, Pac-Man, and release a game based on Steven Spielberg's movie E.T. in 1982. 12 million copies of Pac-Man were made, that's more games than there were consoles at the time, and 7 million were sold. Sounds great, right? Sadly for Atari, the port of Pac-Man was a pale imitation of the arcade classic, and most gamers took back their copies to shops in frustration. E.T. didn't do much better. 1.5 million copies were sold, but due to Atari's overzealous thinking, between 2.5 and 3.5 million copies were unsold, again due to the game being panned worldwide, and perhaps amongst all gamers is considered one of the worst games of all time. Something that catastrophic hit Atari and other video games very hard, and something had to give. This led to what history calls the video game crash of 1983. It just goes to show that lazy development means poor quality games. And if it wasn't for Nintendo's Italian plumber from Brooklyn and Sega's Blue Hedgehog, the industry might have never recovered. However, at this point, gamers had seen the rewards and had their own ideas of what makes a game successful. Their success was only limited by their wild imaginations. While consoles were selling by the truckload, PC gaming was starting to grow, with pioneering 3D shooters like Doom with a company of only five key people to design, program and distribute the game. Shareware copies of the game spread amongst gamers like Wildfire, leading to the critical success of the game. Other companies, such as the British-based Bullfrog, also had similar success, with god simulators such as Populous and management sims like Theme Park, proving that not all games needed to be about shooting something and involved a lot of thinking. Success of the smaller companies just spurred on the dreams of others, and with new platforms such as Apple's iPhone, and innovative outlets such as Microsoft, Xbox, Indie Game Service, anyone can make a game and dream of success. Today, Insert Coin is going to talk to two people in different fields of the video game industry. Colin Maxwell works with Adobe Flash, Blender, and currently teaches the games development course at Carnegie College. Flash is just over 10 years old now, um, and I think I got started with Flash really early on. Um, Probably more focusing on 
uh, using Flash maybe in the last six or seven years. But uh, certainly early on I started to do animation and things um, and slowly got into doing interactive things like games with Flash. So I've been teaching it for quite a long time now. Yeah. Not many students get into the games industry. It is quite a hard area to get into, though several have gone on to university um, to study games design, which uh, gives people a much better uh, inroads into the industry. Mm. Um, there's a number of uh, courses, particularly in Scotland, that are, that are rated as being you know, uh, a good stepping stone towards the game industry. So um, even though I have students here at college that don't go directly into the games industry, they have that, that option to take that. The industry is quite different from what it mm. used to be. Um, in the early days, sort of like the 1980s, it was kind of independent gamers, people coding in their, their bedroom, um, making games. Um, and at that stage, because you know you didn't have to have a lot of uh, money to do it um, and a lot of uh, equipment and stuff, it was easy to get into. And then the kind of big top tier games came around, you know, and you needed to invest in consoles and specialised equipment. Um, and that made it difficult to get into the industry. But now the industry's changed quite a lot, particularly with things like smartphones um, and, and online games as well. Um, so it's much easier for, for people to kind of break into those areas. So I think it is easier. Um, and you don't need the kind of top tier skills that, that are required for a you know, AAA product yeah. um, that you would find in your, your local game store. I think people have less money to spend, mm. so you're not going to probably spend, you know, the kind of money you used to on, on, on top-tier console mm. games. You know, 40, 50 pounds, um, you know, every few months is a lot of money to be spending. When mm. you can spend, you know, a few pounds on something that you can download. Mm -hmm. um, just for example, I downloaded my first WiiWare game just the other day. Um, I didn't pay, spend a penny on it mm -hmm. because it was just it was bought using the point system yeah. that we offer. Mm -hmm. If you want to break into this industry, get into programming, it's definitely the place to go. There's jobs for programmers, I have friends who are programmers, some work in, in the games industry or related industries, and they have a choice of jobs at the moment and can ask for quite a lot of money. A special thanks to Colin, who as a teacher definitely sees things from an educating point of view. We're now going to swiftly move on and talk to our second interviewee, Kevin, who sees things from a company selling point of view and a buyer's perspective. It really depends on the strength of the product. There's not as much independent product out there anymore because obviously the smaller companies have been bought up by the biggies and they've got lots of franchises with sequels running up into the number 20. Um, it really depends. Things like the Wii and the DS and some new concepts in gaming have helped, have, has been a platform for some independent developers. And I suppose ultimately if you're a Wii independent developer, once you've done your shift, you can't, it's, it's not too bad EA coming along and offering you however many millions of pounds for your operation. And that's one, a thing that's going to happen. Um, I'd, I'd say probably more the mobile app industries where there's going to be a lot more indies coming out. Downloading stuff is the way to go. It's the way every kind of entertainment medium is going. Games are being a wee bit slower to catch up because of the huge profits made in pre-owned. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that I think that it's probably a, a reasonable assumption. 
They are moving towards a download-only service for a variety of reasons. You don't have to pay for expensive distribution, manufacturing costs. You make a product, pop it on the net in a series of zeros and ones and anybody across the world can download it. Your only expense then is good advertising, which you would need to do if you were paying for huge runs of CD-ROMs and things like that anyway. So most definitely downloads are going to be the mainstay. However, because of the huge pre-owned market, there will be many shops open that sell pre-owned for the perhaps even the next 10, 15 years. But after that, they'll all probably close. If you're gonna do something, try to make it as original as possible. Don't be too original. Look at formulas that work and adapt them and evolve them to the new consoles and systems that are coming out. Some interesting views there from Kevin, who works for a major video game retailer here in the UK. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. We have a lot of thank yous to make, starting with freesound.org for our sound effects, Overclocked Remix, particularly users Klutz, Tamimi, Jax and House the Great for our sound beds. A very special thank you goes to Behemoth and Playdead Games. Both game makers have had a huge success in independent gaming, and Insert Coin only wishes them the very best in future. Final thank you to video game retailer Kevin Lynch and teacher Colin Maxwell for their interviews. If you can, please join us next week. And if you have any feedback, good or bad, please email us at insertcoinscotland at googlemail.com. I hope you've learned something and ciao for now, freaks and geeks.